Hey everyone, it's Pastor Andrew. Welcome to the Tilikum Baptist Church Podcast. I hope you're doing well this week, and sorry for getting this on here a little bit later than we normally do, but I just wanted to uh, let you know that we are going to be starting a new series on being mission-driven, and uh, and also this week we're starting a new uh, post that we're going to be uh, putting every Thursday on our Facebook it's called Neighbor Connect, and it's a simple challenge that you can do throughout the week and let us know you've done it. You can be draw, you can be put into a drawing uh, that you'll receive a prize for being a part of. And I'd uh, love to have as many people participate as possible, and it'll just be a great way for you to share about how you are learning to become a better neighbor. And, um, and also, it goes in with what we are moving towards in our Connect 2021 campaign and uh, trying to really get outside of our four walls here at the church and to do outreach through personal relationship building, not just programs, but really getting to know one another in our everyday settings. So I hope that you will enjoy this uh, sermon and that you'll be challenged by just the fact that mission starts with um, you know, the presence of Jesus being evident in our life and our home. And I hope that you'll take some time to really think through some of the steps of application for this week. And as always, if you have questions or comments, please email me, tilcombaptist at gmail.com. And uh, love to hear any feedback that you might have. And I hope that you enjoy today's sermon. Have a great day. The scripture reading reading today is from Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led him the way were, were, were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came there, he questioned him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. That is the word of the Lord. Before we get started today, I want to just pray again and invite, of course, God is here, but to invite Him to reveal to us what He'd like us to hear today in His word. So, Lord, I thank you for this day and this beautiful new year that's approached us, God, that. You have given us opportunities every day to follow after you 
And God, I just pray that we would do that and we would be faithful and that we hear your word today and just be, um, be moved by your Holy Spirit to help us to apply in your word to our life and to see your hope displayed here in our church and in our neighborhood and in our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, I shared with you the vision for 2021 to be the year of connecting. 2021 is going to be our year of connection with God, with one another, and with our neighbors to grow and strengthen ourselves and, and our church. See, there were three elements that I discussed last week that pertain to becoming a thriving congregation. And number one is being mission-driven. Number two is, is being a joyful fellowship. And third, being a place where spiritual transformation is a regular occurrence in the lives of those who are a part of our church and community. So this first element of mission-driven is important to understand and act upon so that the other two can be implemented, can be experienced as we gather together, as we are on mission for Jesus together. So this is what we'll be focusing on for the next four weeks. And to, to be able to kind of display and show and learn what being mission-driven means. Number one, there's evidence of the presence of Jesus in your life at home. Number two, identifying your mission field by understanding your circle of influence that God has gifted you with. Number three, finding space within the church and neighborhood to be visibly on mission together. And number four, investing in the advancement of the gospel around the world. So today, we'll be discussing how the presence of Jesus in your life at home is the beginning of becoming mission-driven in your lifelong discipleship journey. And, you know, I, the reason I had Jim read the passage in chapter 18 is because we're going to be focusing on actually what Jesus does in the beginning of chapter 19 with Zacchaeus. So here's what it says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You see, there's three people that we see in this, in, in this scene. And of course, the disciples are mentioned a little bit earlier in chapter 18. But we know the disciples were, were with him. And then you have the crowd. 
And you have Zacchaeus, and, and there's different elements going on for, every, for everyone, right? So the thing that links them all together is that they're all close to Jesus, right, physically. See, what I want to take you, start taking you through right now is, the, is recognizing that your proximity to Jesus does not hinder him from noticing you. Because the disciples, right, they were, they were with Jesus daily. They had the ability to experience his rhythms and his teachings everywhere they went. But they still had to be constantly reminded of the bigger picture and the mission of the kingdom of God. And that phrase, kingdom of God, is used in Luke chapter 32, Luke, sorry, Luke, Luke 32 times. And uh, it, is, it is a phrase that Jesus constantly repeats. And they were constantly trying to understand what that meant. And Jesus, he just trying to chip away at it so that they could grow closer to understanding. Then you have the crowd. And they're more like fans than followers. You know, there's, they're, they're more like, hey, I like Jesus on my Facebook and maybe some of his statuses once a week, but not, you know, they like to see what Jesus was up to. But they imported their own desires and ideas about Jesus' work, identity, and message of the kingdom of God. See, they wanted Jesus to be this political messiah. Wanted, them to, wanted him to drive out the Romans and install the, the rightful kingdom that was supposed to be in Israel. And, um, you know, we, we know that Jesus was not about that. See, they were largely unconcerned with the people that Jesus stopped to help. I mean, just reading those last eight verses, you know, the crowd was telling the blind man, be quiet, you know, hush. Even though they had probably seen Jesus do miracles, right? They, they were telling them, hey, stop, stop, you know, making a ruckus here. But Jesus, he, he stopped in the midst of all the, all of the kerfuffle. And he moved, moved into that man's life to bring healing. And then we're, we're, we're directed to Zacchaeus. See, I don't know, maybe all of you, if you've grown up in the church, remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. All right, I never thought I'd say that in adult church. Um, so there we go, one for the books. But Zacchaeus, we all know that he wanted to see Jesus that he was wealthy, he was a chief tax collector, he was an enemy of the people. I mean, nothing against the IRS, but who likes the IRS? And who would like it if the IRS took even more than what, the, what they're supposed to and then put it in their own pockets? No, I know nobody would want that. But he was, he was short too. And, and so he had a lot of things going against him, okay? I understand. He wanted to see Jesus, he was short, and he had lots of money, except I don't understand the lots of money thing, okay? Like, I get it. So what did he do? He climbed up into a tree, and physically, he was the most visibly distant person in the scene, but Jesus still noticed him. And no matter how far or how close you think you are to Jesus today, or you've been this week, he still notices you. He still sees you, and he's, he's calling out to you to draw close to him. 
See, Zacchaeus, he welcomed Jesus gladly into his home. And that's something that we have to do. We have to welcome Jesus gladly into our home. When Jesus looked up, reached the spot, and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people, they began to mutter, he is going to be a guest of a sinner. See, Zacchaeus gladly welcomed Jesus into his home, not only because he wanted to have a conversation with him properly and be, and be able to, you know, get to know what was going on with Jesus, because he had, was a high-profile guy, and a high-profile guy like Zacchaeus should be in on understanding what a high-profile guy like Jesus is like, or what, he, what he's about. But Zacchaeus was hospitable, because hospitality was a very high value in Israel's culture. And it's a very high value in most Middle Eastern cultures today. See, hospitality is also a very high biblical value. Hebrews 13.2 says that, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And it says in 1 Peter 4.9, Offer hospitality to one, to one another without grumbling to other believers, right? And so we know that, that this wasn't just an expectation. It was something that was in Zacchaeus' heart that wanted, that was open to Jesus coming to his home. See, Jesus, he's the guest of sinners. The crowd, they complained about Jesus' association with sinners, Right? They, they were like, oh, you know, this guy, he's a sinner. Which is an interesting thing for them to point out, right? Because they must have had a very high opinion of themselves. See, they esteem themselves as being righteous. And we know, we know that they were not. Because we're not, right? No. No one on their own is righteous. See, they, they, they complained, the crowd complained, and, and they muttered. It says in some, some versions, uh, they complained. And this word complained is similar to how the Israelites complained in the wilderness. And we know what happened when the Israelites complained in the wilderness. They lost out on the chance of going to the promised land until that whole generation was deceased. Right? Until a new generation can go in. They missed out on seeing the continued glory of God and work of God in their lives. And you know what? Jesus was standing right before this crowd. And that's what they missed. They missed the, the, the presence and the glory of God. And so, you know, sometimes I think people say, you know, if, if Jesus was standing right here, it would make things better. Actually, I think sometimes if Jesus was standing right here, I don't know if we'd notice. Because, because we, miss, we miss out on that sometimes. Because of our own thoughts, of our own esteem. See, the crowd was comfortable with their own sickness, just not Zacchaeus' sickness. And, and I think that we all have fallen into that trap, right? We're, we have things in our life that don't line up with God's word. 
and God's will for us. But um, but we can point out other people a lot easier. And I think we all have a have the opportunity to grow by recognizing that that Jesus has something better for us than that kind of comparison. He wants us to grow if we allow it, if we invite him into our home. You see, Jesus' mission was driven by reaching the marginalized and the poor. Now you might say, well, Zacchaeus, he didn't fit that. He seemed like he was a pretty well-off guy, like he, you know, had his his 401k together, like he probably didn't need, um, you know, people to to tell him what what to invest in the stock market, right? But um, Zacchaeus, he may have been rich, but he was poor in his heart, in his soul, and his relationships. Add to the fact that he was a chief tax collector, right? And so he's despised by by the whole community, by maybe the whole region even. So he, I think he's marginalized a bit. Poor in spirit, marginalized. See, poverty is not just economic. It's often rooted in a mindset and in, in, in poor stewardship. Because as I was thinking about this this week, you know, I was thinking about how Jesus, you know, the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, but I don't think that Jesus is saying, blessed are those who just keep their spirits poor. It's those people who recognize that they're poor in spirit and that they need God, right? That they need God. But people tend to be poor stewards of, of, of six things. I can think about six things that people tend to be poor stewards of. Number one is their wallet, so financially, you're not, you don't budget, maybe you don't have a system that works where you're making sure that you'll have enough to, you know, meet ends meet. Um, you can be poor stewards of your mind by not filtering out or gatekeeping when it comes to some of the garbage that the world tries to throw at you, tries to make you think upon, um, you know, advertising that seems alluring, right? You, we need to be better stewards of our mind because. That's an important part that the devil can use to do spiritual warfare against you. People tend to be poor stewards of their bodies. They don't eat well. They don't sleep well. They don't exercise well. Um, you know, they don't take proper care of their bodies. Or a poor steward of your heart. You know, the motivations and affections of your heart are not are not lining up with God and His Word. They're not lining up towards loving God and loving your neighbor. And then your soul. And, and you know, this is not that the soul is something that we have to, um, divide, that we have to, like, make a division of because we know that we're, we are made for eternity, right? Either eternity with God or eternity separated with God in hell. But sometimes people are poor stewards of their soul by propping up idols in place of God. And that could be money, that could be fame, that could be, um, you know, a number of things. You know, people are poor stewards of, by, of their soul by having a lack of spiritual discipline in their life. And then lastly, people sometimes tend to be poor stewards of their relationships, either with their, with their husband or wife, or with their children, or with their neighbors, or co-workers. 
And so these are all things that we can think about. I'm sure that each one of us may be able to think of a place where God can continue to help us mature and do work in our life. And if there's something that you can identify out of the six of these and you want to talk about it, let me know. I'd love to point you to some resources that might be able to help you in these areas. Um, sorry. If Jesus were not a guest of sinners, he could not be a guest of us. Because we were once sinners who are now saved by grace with righteousness from Christ so that we cannot boast. Let's say that again. That Jesus has wants to come be with us and that if and that he wants to um, you know, spend time with us because of when we've been saved by grace, we have a righteousness through Christ. See, a, the Sri Lankan evangelist and hymn writer D.T. Niles said, evangelism is one beggar telling another where to find bread. And friends, the table is not full. The, Christ is preparing a table and a feast for us, and we get the opportunity to partner with Jesus in in telling them, hey, Jesus wants to um, be with you. Jesus wants you to be with him. See, I love this book, My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger, because he he takes us through a story about if Jesus showed up your, at, your, at your house, what it might be like, and the house is symbolic for being your heart. And, you know, in the living room, he goes into the living room and he says, that's where we prepare to meet Christ daily with devotions and prayer and worship. And then he moves into the dining room and that's where we examine together what appetites should and should not control us. And, and the things that, like I said earlier, that our hearts are drawn towards that might not line up with God's word. And then lastly, Christ can help clean out the closets in our life. Because, you know, being a new year, I don't know how many of you have looked in your closets and said, hey, I've got a lot of junk in here I need to get rid of. I know there's some stuff that I, that I need to. But Jesus, he wants to be with you in that process. He wants to help you not just clean up, right, for the sake of, of some sort of image, but because, because Jesus wants us to live a life that's pure and devoted to him. And, and I think that, you know, when we offer ourselves in a space of worship, that Christ, he can do, a, he can do everything that we need to do. He's sufficient. See, he's with us. He... He is not merely a guest, either, as we say. He, he should be a permanent resident of your, of your home and your heart. Because a transformed life is the evidence of Jesus' presence in our life. See, Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said, he said, Look, Lord, here and now I will give half my possessions to the poor. If I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. See, Zacchaeus, he had a life before Jesus. As a chief tax collector, he took a cut from those who collected taxes for him. He was defined by his material wealth. I mean, in, in verse 2, it says, There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and he was wealthy. That was his identity. And you know what? He may have cheated people out of their money. He may have, he may have uh, you know, raised taxes for people that he didn't like or put, put unfair levies on people's stuff. And, and you know, we don't know. But he said, I'm going to give back four times the amount which was actually twice the amount that the law required for him to do. And, and I think that the reason that Zacchaeus goes to such an abundant effort to do this is because Zacchaeus recognizes need for repentance, and he, he committed to, to repent by his words and his actions, his deeds, which changed his relationship to God, and it changes the relationship with others. See, he was committing to doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. And you might say, well, where is that in this, in this chapter, in this verse right here? Well, Jesus, he said to love God and love your neighbors as yourself, and that all these things would be the that those things would be the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And I think that scripture goes to show us that when we have repentance. We come under right relationship with God, and we start to pursue right relationships with others. Because repentance transforms our relationships to God and others around us. Zacchaeus' commitment to living out his promises were, was his mission. And he had some accountability. He had some people that were around, obviously, to hear that. See, Jesus' mission was accomplished in Zacchaeus' life because he said, here's a man who has salvation. Here's a son of Abraham, a true son of Abraham. Now, they were all sons of Abraham if they were Jews, right? But he says, a true son of Abraham. And what I think, what I gather that he meant by that is a son of Abraham by faith. Because we know that Abraham had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, he gives Zacchaeus an identity, and then he unleashes Zacchaeus to live a mission-driven life, to live out this mission that he's that he said that he'll do. And he says this that salvation has come to this home, to this house. And I really think that salvation's impact starts at home. It begins at home. Because Guess what? The evidence of a changed life is closest, is most clear to those who are closest to us. And I can tell you that Jesus has changed my life, and the evidence of that, I get to, to try to live out every day in my relationship with my wife and my kids, with my neighbors, my coworkers. Am I perfect? No. Not for one minute. But when I mess up, I, I think that, that I try to, to seek reconciliation. I think that I own my mistakes. See, a changed life 
for Christ means that we have changed priorities. From getting to giving, from entitlement to service, from power, from seeking power, to humility. See, giving and service and humility with the motivation of the love of Christ is what's going to change our world. Because we have hope. We have hope in a resurrection, that Jesus is resurrected. And so we don't have to believe that my the biggest, the biggest priority is to get as much as I want for myself. And that somebody owes it to me, so I should have it. And that if they're not going to give it to me, that I need to take it for myself. And I think that giving service and humility, if those were played out in our relationships more and more, that Jesus will be more evident to those around us. See, I'd love for you today and this week to prayerfully listen to God for prioritizing a clear mission-driven activity for your family to engage in this year. So maybe you might use your gifts to serve in the church. Or maybe you serve in a community ministry together. Or maybe you're really passionate about a, a mission or a cause. Or maybe you heard about some of the things that are going on in the projects of our own missionaries, and they're like, hey, I want to help with that. I want to make sure that, that I am giving generously to that. That's great. See, we launched last week the 2021 Connect Campaign. And really, there's, it's really simple to participate. Here's what we're encouraging you to do. Join a connect group. Youth, we have, we have a youth connect on Sunday at 10. We have our neighbor connect starting this week at 6.30. And literally the first 20 to 30 minutes of that is going to be spent time talking together. So if you're coming for prayer, come early and just come to talk. We'll come to, come to get to know each other a little bit because we're going to learn about how to be a good neighbor and why that's important and what God says about being a neighbor. And if you're a mom or you know a mom of, of a younger child, zero to five age, um, we have Moms Connect every first and third Thursday of the month here at the church. So... Beyond just coming to church and participating in those groups, the Connect campaign is also challenging you to spend two to three hours a month talking to your neighbors, connecting with your neighbors. And that means maybe 30 minutes a week, you know, you, you are saying hello, catching up on news and, and the weather, or whatever it is, right? And, and using that as a space where you can start to begin having a more in-depth conversation with them, maybe about faith, or about something that God's teaching you in your life. And see, if you break that down, two to three hours a month, you know, 30 minutes a week, it's like, you know, three times ten minutes each time. You know, it's, it comes down to being really practical and easy to do if you pursue it. And then as you do that, we want you to come here and share with us the amount of time that you're connecting and then an, an estimation. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I spent 37 minutes, you know, this week. You know, like, 
Now, just saying, hey, 30, 40 minutes, it was, it was a great time. But also being willing to share, you know, what happened. And we'll have a graph. It won't be this one. It looks silly, I know. But it'll be something that will kind of show that, hey, we're getting the 300 hours of connection with our neighbors this year. And I'm really excited about that because, yeah, 300 might seem like an arbitrary number, but for our group, I think it's a pretty, a pretty ambitious goal um, for us. So I'm really excited for it, and I hope you are too. See, this is our first sermon in this series, Mission Possible, and there's four elements that we are working towards as we become mission-driven. Number one is what we just talked about, evidence of the presence of Jesus in your life and home. Number two, identifying your mission field by understanding your circle of influence that God has gifted you with. Number three, finding space within the church and neighborhood to be visibly on mission together. And number four, investing in the advancement of the gospel around the world. Now, if you don't hear anything else today, don't hear another word. This is what I want you to take away, okay? The evidence of the presence of Jesus in your life and home begins with repentance and orienting your life and priorities with your family to be motivated towards loving and serving Jesus on mission with him. Let me say that slower one more time. The evidence of the presence of Jesus in your life and home begins with repentance and orienting your life and priorities with your family to be motivated towards loving and serving Jesus on mission with him. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is this. To go on a family prayer walk this week or attend prayer connect so that you can pray for your neighbors and for the things going on in our church and around the world. Maybe you could make or write two to three cards to give out to your neighbors just to say Happy New Year and I hope you're doing well and to connect with you more this year. You know, you don't have to go out and give them to the whole neighborhood, but you know, two or three people might be worth using. Um, or even, you know, like, you can you can also come to Neighbor Connect, which I described to you a little bit, because you can learn different skills to become a better neighbor with a purpose. So choose one, choose all, do you know, do what you feel led, but come back next week ready to share. How much time did you spend connecting with your neighbors this week? And if you are, like we're not gonna ask anybody to come up here and talk on a microphone, but we're gonna talk to each other about maybe what the positive or negative experiences we have in connecting with our neighbors this week, this next week. Um, because guess what? When we learn that it's hard together, then it makes it less intimidating because I know, oh, you know, Rachel, she talked with our neighbor who has a few kids this week, and, and, uh, and she really did. And it was a great conversation that she gets to come back to this next week when she sees her again. Um, you know, I've tried to have conversations with people here, and all I get is the dog coming out, at the chain link fence barking at me and the people kind of looking like, what do you want from me? What do you, you know? So it's good to know that we might have positive experiences and we might have some ones that 
kind of make us scratch our head and wonder how to do it differently. So that's okay, because we need each other um, to be able to pursue this goal together. See, we're in this together to learn, to grow, and connect together. And I'm going to I'm going to finish our time here by praying, and then we'll have another song. Um, and, I, and I hope that you, you heard today just what it means, what it means to be able to be on mission. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you use us, um, you know, as uh, as unique and with the needs that we have and, and the way that you've designed us to relate to you and one another. And I just ask that this week we would go and we would be um, looking for the opportunities, the divine appointments that you give us to, to connect with our neighbors and that we wouldn't neglect connecting with you, most importantly, Lord. So thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.